0: What did we just experience? Yes, we experienced the baptism. We experienced being honored by a family that flew 3,000 miles or something like that to be over here and be with their family. And and we were trusted with a a very special thing. That's a neat deal. Those are all great deals. Uh, We challenged everybody because that's probably the baptismals that you've seen don't look like that. But it captures that child's heart a little bit. and. Bernice's peers and friends are the ones that dedicated that. And so uh, that was exciting. But I want to reflect back on those two slides I put up. We connected with something that had more significance than could possibly be understood by the people that observed it when it first happened in the baptism of Jesus and also in his dedication in the temple. If you remember... I think it was uh, Simeon and Anna that were sort of there ahead of time, positioned by the Lord, positioned by Yahweh, to receive Jesus for who he was. You talk about receiving Jesus, they're probably the first to really receive him for who he was. There was a connection there, prophesied, a connection there that was released in that prophecy. And and uh, in the baptism of Jesus, he said... No, let's do this so that I can fulfill all righteousness. So let's just take a quick look at what this is. Here in Romans, I think that there is a practical grace associated with the union of Christ that we witness on display here and that we see and think about when we understand what's going on. This, This is more than... Think of the challenge that God has to take infinite truth Infinite righteousness, infinite glory, and squeeze it down somehow so it can be touched and understood in a finite world. And this is, this is more than a sacrament. It's more than a church practice. It's all of that. But what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? How old is Bernice? Bernice, how old are you, honey? You're eight? Okay. Would to God that we understood as clearly and simply what happened in that water as Bernice did. Not the washing away just of the the outside, but a uniting with what Jesus did on the cross. And the part I struggled with is, is this was her moment, and I didn't want to cloud it with a bunch of theological uh, scary rhetoric, but for those of us that are in here that are older than eight, do we take as seriously as it is our union with Christ on the cross? When we are subject to doubt, when we are subject to accusation, it should be this. And so I'm encouraging all of us in here, and I'm guessing most everybody in here has been baptized. Am I correct? Is there anybody that hasn't been baptized in here? Okay. Think about your baptism. Think about it. Call it to mind. Try to relive that moment. Something extraordinary took place. Something beyond just a church Thing, Something beyond just a, a sacramental practice. Do you not know? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Now, that sentence leads me to think that the fruit of this uniting in his death leads us to some sort of overpowering, overcoming, victorious life right now. And that life is resurrection life. Now, I don't fully understand resurrection. I don't know. uh, Some of us may have seen somebody that has been raised from the dead. It happens. There's signs. There's miracles. But Jesus paved the way, broke through death. And we've been talking about new creation. And his resurrection is what inaugurated the new creation right now. His resurrection was the beginning, the definitive beginning of the, the answer to the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is amazing to me. So it goes on to say, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. What are the qualities of that resurrection? Yes, there's some unusual ones he could come through without opening the door. Uh, he was in a glorified body, he seemed to be able to zip here and there without too much trouble, rode to Emmaus then to see others. But the fundamental thing is that he has the body, the physical body, that is designed to live in eternity. And he is now living there. He has the physical body, the human body, that allows the oneness and the union before the Father that was God's intent in creation ever since. That is shared with us. You, honey, have participated in this baptism tonight. And we, if you're like me, and I'm not making this as an accusation, just an observation, if you're like me, when things get going rough, when you make mistakes, when you stumble, When people stumble around you, when people who love you betray you, when any of those kind of things happen, it's hard to remember that. This is a statement of reality. We have been united with Christ in his death, and we shall. We are living in it, and we shall fully participate in his resurrection. I think that's incredible. Knowing that this, our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Has there been anybody in here in the last six months that has not felt like you have been free from sin? (laughs) I'm personally, you know, uh, I've shared with some of you that I'm wrestling a little bit with some of the political and cultural struggles. And the conclusions that I am tempted to draw testify that I am not free from sin. But whose testimony am I going to believe? doesn't give me an excuse to just blow that stuff off. It gives me the power to know that's not who I am. We are united with Christ in His death. And as a result, we are free from sin. We are set free. That is, what she said she wanted, God is outrageously gracious to give. Amen? Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. And now it says this, Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God. That's the New American Standard translation. That word consider is logizomai, And at its root, it means to take an accounting. It's a numeric word, an accounting word. It means to write down the the figures accurately, calculate them correctly, so that you can know where you stand in your books. You can know where you stand in your business transaction or in your business. That is the fundamental meaning. If you go back into the, the Greek, you go back into the secular Greek that was around there. This word was chosen really specifically the translation consider makes me think of kind of standing there like this going, hmm, no, it's not. that's not really the best. And there's different translations down here. So the primary use of this is a numeric calculation. Uh, Young's Literal says reckon. It's a little bit of an archaic word, but it, it, it carries more of a punch to it, don't you think? The idea of reckoning, you figure it out, and here's what the bottom line is. Uh, NIV says count. So that speaks to the numeric root of that. And then the RSV and the ESV did a, did a, an interesting thing in the translation from the King James and an interesting thing even beyond what the American standard did. They put an emphasis there. You must consider. You must. And so what I was thinking about and that what, what Bernice so preciously invited me into, and you guys is a is a reckoning with what Jesus did for me, and what I am in Him. And rather than than increase the shame, because you know there's a place where Paul says, "Should we sin that grace might abound?" Just before this, he says, "Well, of course not. How can you do that?" But rather than than this awareness increasing a sense of shame over it, it gave me strength to go. That's not who I am. That is no longer who I am. Can I choose to act that way in, in um, what would you call it, in blindness towards the reality? Yeah, I can. I don't want to. I don't recommend you do. But that's not who we are. We are children of God whose lives are united with Christ in his death, and baptism proves it. And by being united with him in his death, we also participated in and are united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. We are resurrected folk. To be resurrected still, but the initial, the reality has been applied to us. It has touched our lives. We are different. And so what Bernice wants, the transformation she wants to experience as she grows, God has provided in Christ. In this union, so that's that's one. So what I want to do tonight is uh, I want to look at the other aspect of that, and that's communion. And uh, the weather kind of kept some folks away, so we got plenty. Uh, Paul said this: He said, "For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you." that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he, he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I know, I know that for much of my life, when I thought about that, and I thought about these proclamations, I thought about uh, Jesus' death in, in direct relationship to my salvation. And that's fine. And so when I would make that proclamation, or when I remembered his death or, or proclaimed his death when it came, I was talking about that. But tonight, this week, as I was preparing for this and praying about this, and then tonight as we participated in it, I realized that as often as we proclaim the Lord's death, we're not just proclaiming our freedom from sin. That's all wonderful. We are proclaiming our union with him and his resurrection. And so just like this is a celebration of new life and resurrection, right? Buried in, coming out. So is this. So is this. And so I wanted us to have communion tonight. And I wanted us to share in that. And then uh we've got a few minutes. I I want and I'll I'll bring this down here. So um that almost like a shell game. So this one on this side is wine. This one on this side is juice, and uh certainly just your preference. But we're going to, I'm going to have us come up. I'm going to go ahead and keep the mic down here. And uh, I got one more slide. What's going on here? Anyway, the declaration of his death. All I want us to do tonight is focus on taking communion with that in mind as a reality, linking us to his death and resurrection, that this is a celebration of resurrection life in us. Forgiveness too. communion. Yes, with the saints, everything. A celebration of resurrection life. This is how it came to us. This is how it came to us. This is what puts us in touch with it. And we have the right to live in the conscious reality of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ being in us. Young, old, in between. Romans says this. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. Remember what Jesus said to John the Baptist? Let, no, it's good. Let's do this. I want you to baptize me. Did Jesus need to be baptized for the forgiveness of his sins? He did not. So when he said, let's fulfill all righteousness, who was that righteousness being fulfilled for? Who was it being fulfilled on behalf of? And who was it being fulfilled in? That would be you and me. That would be us. So this is a declaration If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And that's the part, that's the conclusion that I want us to ponder some tonight. And as we go, what Jesus did for us wasn't just to rescue us from hell or rescue us from Uh, a dismal afterlife, or rescue us and save us from sin. He wants to deliver us from being perpetually vulnerable to disappointment. He wants us to be filled with joy. He wants us to have a kind of faith that is living and vital and active. That's what he wants. That's what we celebrate. And it seems to say, the way we get it, is to believe in our heart that He has the horsepower to do it. He's the Lord. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He doesn't need to appeal to someone else. He has been sent by the Father to accomplish that very thing, to set you and I free, to link us with eternal life. This is eternal life, to know you, God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And the second thing that makes this a reality is that we confess it. We proclaim it. So what I want us to do is I want us to realize that in both of these ceremonies, both of these gifts given to us by the church, we are united with Jesus' death and resurrection life in both of them. Confessing Jesus is Lord and believing that God raised him from out of death links us to his victory, to his resurrection life. Remembering and proclaiming His death as our death. This broken bread says, "Our, it's our stripes. Our healing comes from this. Our wholeness comes from this. And this, this is the righteousness. This is the standing." So I'm going to pray over these elements. And I'm going to invite you guys to come up and take them. And then the, <clears throat> I'll show you the next slide ahead of time. What is your reckoning in that sense of that word? What are you writing down in your account? What are you adding up about the figures? If you, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that there'll be some some uh, comments, testimonies, words, prophecies for yourself, over yourself. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. Lord, this is your body. Delivered for us, broken for us, bruised for us, yielded for us, surrendered for us, you. you said, Lord, that no one could take your life from you. If you had not given it, we could not have taken it. The Romans couldn't have taken it. The Jewish guards couldn't have taken it. No one could have. The enemy certainly couldn't have. I'm reminded, Lord, at the beginning of your arrest, they came at you with many, many, many soldiers, armed strong and dangerous, purposeful. When you ask, who do you seek? They said, Jesus from Nazareth. You said, I am. And they fell back. You had to ask them again, and you had to reframe (laughs) your answer just so that they could arrest you. That's the power of that you yielded that we might partake in your body. We thank you for it. And Lord, you took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. A death that brought us life, a death that brought us resurrection life, and a death that brought us righteousness. So Lord, I bless you for these. I bless these people. And I invite you guys to come on up now and, and uh, take it. This is the wine side. This is the juice side. And I'll move this out of the way. And if any of you have anything stirring in you, uh, here's the mic. It's ready to go. Uh, there's something to be said for proclaiming a truth that has been made real to you by the Spirit. So as we partake in it, I invite you up. And if you want, you can. You can. uh, I guess you can hold them until everybody gets it, or you can sit there and have a moment with the Lord and take. Yeah, once you do that, just be led by the Holy Spirit as to how you want to take it. We practice open communion. We invite you to partake. We believe that Jesus is the reason that we have access to this, not our own personal performance. So uh, you feel free.
1: This baptism has uh, reminded me of a few things in my journey. I remember when um, <clears throat> I was uh, hand-baptized in the Methodist church mm. with water, and, and uh, then I, after I became a Christian or became a believer or came to that place of discovering Jesus in my life, I wanted to be baptized. So I went under the water. And then I learned more about what water baptism was all about. So I got baptized again. <laughs> and then in my journey, I learned a little more. And so I felt like I just want to be baptized again, just to be able to share, just to be that experience. Well, throughout my life, I've been baptized probably five or six times only because each time there was a new revelation to me that meant something to me and you know regardless of what other people thought about this guy's doing it again it was special to me because of what i felt my relationship with god was anyway that's i, I as i was watching this here and reminded me of all the times that uh, that I that I went into the water. So I encourage you, if that's something that, that um might be you, where God is giving you further revelation on your relationship with him in baptism, you know, doesn't matter how old, you can do it again and again and again. And it doesn't have to be in the River Jordan. <laughs> it can be right here. Amen. Amen.
0: Yeah, amen, amen. Well, you know, I just want to make that, that kind of confession declaration thing. Um, uh, I believe that Jesus is Lord and I'm, I'm really staggered by that belief. <laughs> I'm staggered by it. I mean, not that I ever doubted he was, but the realization of what that means, the realization as we've been studying a little bit lately that he, uh, made a mockery of the principalities and powers, casting them down. And that he lives with the enemy having nothing in him. And that he has shared that life with me. Praise God. Praise God. That's amazing. Yeah, babe.
2: So, um, I just wanted to share... Um, <laughs> sorry. I have come to the conclusion that truth matters. And so I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures here. In John 8 it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then Jesus also says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I believe that God is crying out for us to be lovers of the truth. And so when we take communion or we have a conversation or we're um, just sitting with the Lord, that we are people of truth. And so the communion of the wine and the bread representing the body of Christ and who he is, he is also truth. Truth. And I just really have had so many opportunities this week to talk to people about the truth. And God has been there. And he loves for his children to walk not just in truth, but in <laughs> capital T truth. And so I just wanted to share that.
0: Amen. <laughs> Amen. Zoomers, anybody got any comments? Bless you guys. All right, well, Lord, it's with joy that we partake of these things. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You died and rose again, and you drew us into that death. And we are living proof, living beneficiaries today of your resurrection life and the grace, the grace of the Father in Jesus' name. Thank you for your blood, Lord. Amen.